been informed that your leash is in need of a yank, my pet. Clause G, Section 9, states that Target shall continue to listen to more monsters, madness, and magic. Ta-ta. Alright, folks. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now, in this episode, I chat with actor Tamron Payne about method acting, Mazora, voice acting versus motion capture, theater, and more. As always, thank everyone for listening. If you'd like to help us grow and you're listening on your podcasting platform of choice, please leave us a review. And if you happen to be watching on YouTube, leave us a like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Cameron, take us back in time. You're a youngster. Uh, were you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all the above? <laughs> I was not a book reader. I was not that sensible. I probably began as a fort builder, moved into troublemaker, and then had a renaissance back into fort building. <laughs> Whereabouts did you grow up? I was in Bournemouth on the south coast. So it's lovely, like golden beaches, and we have the New Forest as well. So like wild ponies and stuff. So oh, country girl. A lot of places to build a fort then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know your mom's off to the side. Were either your parents were they involved in the business or artistically inclined at all? Kind of, kind of not. So mum was a professional dancer. I got that sort of expression from her. And dad was not in the creative industries at all, but he at home would always do funny voices. He loved the Goonies. He loved Spike Milligan, loved mm. uh, Monty Python. I was brought up on very silly English humor. And he would kind of do all these little accents and voices. So looking back now, I can see that I probably got that from him. So what music was playing around the house when you were growing up? What kind of music Ooh. were you into? A good question. Dad would play like Pink Floyd, Dire Straits, like very kind of like psychedelic rock, which I didn't really know at the time, but now I very much appreciate that that was kind of what I was listening to growing up. Yeah. Good stuff. So when you think back to formative films and TV shows that you grew up on, what comes to mind? Oh my goodness me. Um, To be honest, the thing that mostly comes to mind is being a 90s kid and having VHS and waiting every Christmas and birthday. But it was was very mainstream. I was a bit of a Disney kid. I was just waiting for the next Disney film. A lot of Disney films and my other favorite kids film is Hook. I love Hook. So this is uh, something I like to ask everyone just because you never know. uh, What scared you as a kid? scared me as a kid same thing that scares me now the dark I haven't, I haven't even gotten over it I'm, i mean i'm better but i'm still a little bit like freaked out and it's more my imagination of what could be there it's not about a specific thing it's the it's the possibility that something could be there lurking and it's just the feeling of something being there and watching me that really freaks me out and yeah has always done like being in a dark room i would never have like my dressing gown hanging up on the door yeah really basic but yeah gotta have your feet under the covers 
<laughs> so do you have a like a maybe an aha or an, a, a eureka moment that you can point to to where you decided to give acting a try for the first time yes i do i was not really into acting at all even as a teenager i started really late but we had a show that was going on and i was doing the makeup for it it was les mis and um, i was doing some like bruising for it and stuff like some stage makeup and i just remember it was the first time i'd ever really gotten involved with anything like that and i was backstage and i looked through the curtains at the stage and the audience and the lights and was like you know when you just have that instinctual knowing it's like that feels really magical maybe i want to be there i don't know and it was just that like initial curiosity and then i had to kind of like pick my subjects and i kind of just went for it i loved art and i couldn't do art and drama and i was like do you know what there's just something telling me to do this and it was the right call so what was your very first time on stage after that yeah my very first time was um doing a little drama competition at school we had to pick a play and in our group no one knew one and i knew the importance of being earnest which is a really lovely little comedy but i just decided to kind of take the helmet and direct it for everyone and just being on stage doing that was it was just such a laugh, you know, and that just really ignited that moment. Did you ever have to deal with stage fright or anything like that? I'm very lucky that I do feel able to, I, I get nerves as everyone does, but I've had to just tell myself that I convert it into being excited. So I just, I just say, okay, I'm now really excited. And as long as I know my first line, for whatever I'm doing, <laughs> I'll be fine. I just, I just need to know that first line, and then I, then I'll, I'll go. But yeah, it's just, it's just like training yourself and just having that knowledge that you can change that energy to make it useful for you. So, you know, while you were in school and such, what did you have any favorite roles that you played while you were on stage? Anything that stands out to you? Oh my goodness! Since being at school, I would say because I didn't do a lot at school, but I, I loved being Olivia in Twelfth Night. That was really fun. That was really fun. Like everyone was so funny in that cast and I love Shakespeare. So it was wonderful to be like in central London and playing that role. And normally like Olivia is, you know, just a bit silly. And, you know, she is kind of, doesn't really understand what's going on. She's kind of swept up in the whole thing, but we managed to get some comedy into Olivia as well, which was, which was brilliant. So yeah, that's one of my faves, I would say. And then also, I mean, it was a tiny role. I played a nun, but I was at the Globe and just being at the Globe was an absolute dream come true. Cause I, I remember when I moved to London and um, I went to that, that theater and I was a groundling. We paid a fiver and, watched the play and I was like wow can you imagine being here wow and then I did get to you're there I was there <laughs> I was there uh yeah so that that was pretty incredible as well and being a nun was cool you know <laughs> fine <laughs> nice outfit <laughs> so does your approach personally differ as an actor if you're doing a character on stage or if you're on screen or in a booth or what have you yeah, it does. It really does. I mean, being in the booth is is so different. Being in the booth is so technical. And I feel like I feel much more like I am maybe initially completely led by the director, just completely like I just want to see what they want from this, because the thing is with being in the booth and, and doing a video game, especially, is it's so secretive. So, you know, as much as you could have an instinct, you've 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 just got these you've got these lines that are yours and nothing else. 
So it's not like you can go into the text like you would with a play and go, okay, well, what did they say? Like, what what can I get out of those words? You know, you literally go in on the day, see the script, and you're like, okay, what's going on? You know, so you're so dependent on the director's knowledge and their sort of ideas for what there could be that it's much easier to let go of control and also not feel like you need to be completely prepared for recording, whereas for a play you want to come in with loads of ideas with loads of yeah just like character prep like oh they would eat this for breakfast and this happened to them yesterday and whatever you've got that whole like picture in your head whereas with this it's like okay we're going we're going to do it as we go and things might change and they might get new information about the game as well about the narrative as well so i would say that's that's a main difference yeah so Tamara, this is something i like to ask all actors because i feel you know to the general public us layman's non-actors the word the term method acting is a bit muddled what is your method that can differ and I'm definitely not a method actor and in terms of like Strasbourg staying in character all the time I think it can be great to stay in accent all the time if you've been struggling I think that's that's a good idea but yeah what is my what is my method I do like to write down a sort of a diary entry for characters sometimes I really enjoy that because just like when you write your own diary or like journaling in general you don't know what you're going to write You might have something that you wanted to write about because it was good or it was terrible, but then other stuff comes out and it's a a lovely way of discovering a character. So I really enjoy that. There's lots of things you can do in the rehearsal room, but that is something that I enjoy doing on my own. Yeah, just fleshing out the character in that way. And, you know, improvising with other actors. If you're doing a play or some TV or something, like just improvising a normal day or what happened before the scene as well. I think that's really cool. So that's kind of, you know, going down the road of method, but it's not it's not living and breathing. There's also a thing called I forget now the the proper name for it, but where you swap in someone that you know and have a connection with for the person. So while you're looking at the other actor, you would imagine said person that you know where that thing did happen or something similar so you can kind of like shoehorn it in instead of like really looking at the actor in front of you, if that makes sense, yeah. uh, which you cannot do for video games because you are literally looking at a monitor of, of <laughs> and imagining that they are a person or a monster or whatever they, whatever magical creature they are. <laughs> <laughs> so that diary bit you mentioned, I, a lot of actors mentioned that they may write a journal or, or diary or what have you. Is that something that you pick up in school or is that just, do you think that's just a yeah. typical tip that you get? I think at drama school we did it. Definitely did different forms of it. I remember we were doing like emotional recalls, so kind of like getting into very big emotional states. And we would write a letter to someone and it was very, yeah, it was like a real tearjerker. So kind of, yeah, writing to people, it, for some reason it, it brings up stuff from the depths. So how did you land, you know, you're on stage and you're going to drama school and whatnot. How did you land that first screen role? Ooh, the first screen role was a long old process and a really good lesson in letting go of control as well because I think when you're sort of if you, if you go to drama school or you're just young and you're really hungry it, it means so much and you really like this it felt like my whole world was like I need to act you know and anyway I had I had done my screen showcase at BAFTA so there'd been some agents and people come to that got picked up and like the first audition that we we did was for a soap and so you know 
it's it was a massive casting call to to just find the next new young people for this this soap and so obviously i just thought well they're going to see loads they're going to see hundreds of people if not thousands whatever didn't think anything of it i mean it went well i kind of went in back in the days of in-person auditions <laughs> everything on a screen i actually went in and met the casting director in person read some stuff with them and months went by months went by and i completely i forgot about it actually for a bit and then i was a bit just sad i was like oh it would have been really cool and i saw my agent at this at this bafta showing and was like oh it's a shame that that didn't nothing came of that and she was like oh no you're still in the running you're still in the running but it hadn't told me i was like oh it's like two months ago or something you know so obviously you just forget about these things you've got to move on otherwise you go crazy and i was like oh wow so then i went back in did another round and then was like going through and then there was I think there was four rounds all in all for this for this TV role which was which was crazy but amazing amazing as a first kind of process yeah and so then we had the kind of the screen test where you get all your makeup and hair and your costumes on and you're really like in on their set for their TV show you know and um, paired up and that was a long old process but yeah it's funny that your first your first screen role was a soap because what I hear from soap actors is that it's not typical television shooting schedules and all that stuff at all it's more akin to theater it's like the Olympics of TV <laughs> In, in a way I mean obviously like you know some things are better some things are not so good like it's all subjective let's say being super diplomatic but I loved it it, it was it was hard work is what it was it really mm. puts you to your paces so I was grateful to have that as my first job because then anything after that you're shooting 16 pages a day like it's there's only one show in the in England I know of that shoots more pages than Hollyoaks a day so it was it was hardcore and also like script can change on the day I can be in the makeup chair and it's like oh here's a new speech <laughs> there you go so you know there's a lot to to um to work with but that's great you know because like I say after that going in on to another tv show where you know you're doing 10 pages a day and it's just like you know and just more of that normal pace of like you're waiting around for hours you go and do a scene you're waiting around it feels like such luxury and are you recording multiple episodes a week at the time yeah it goes all over the place because it's it's very much about logistics of actors of locations of all sorts of different things so it's just whatever fits at that time yeah so you could have like you know your timeline at least but but you could yeah you're jumping from from one month to the next. So was it your goal to break into the voiceover motion capture world or did it happen sort of naturally? <laughs> it, it absolutely was such a, not random thing. I loved my voiceover classes at drama school, loved them. Had real, real fun just kind of like learning the microphone technique, doing accents. Like I just think it was also that I loved my teacher. So I just remembered having a lovely time, but was never really a kind of a goal as such. Didn't really know it even existed properly before I went to drama school you mm. know and so then I did Hollyoaks for a couple of years and I was coming out and I was like hmm I've got to think about you know supporting myself and and what what do I want to do when I when I come out of this and I thought oh I could make a voice reel and it was very like I could do that <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of went I'll do that you know whatever and you know when something is just like Mm, meant to be I don't love saying meant to be because I think we have agency over what happens but suits you let's say right meant in a way it was one of those things I wrote to some agents and bish bash bosh 
signed with one of them very luckily and I've been with the same agent this whole time and didn't know mocap existed didn't didn't know about video games because I wasn't allowed to play them as a kid mm. um, so I've never played them up until now because I'm now playing VG3 on Twitch which is crazy <laughs> the whole world has really opened up but yeah so it, it was very much like oh okay I'm gonna go and do this little like um you know, foreign language thing or this little advert or, or audio book and these, these things started building up and suddenly I'm just busy with that, let alone the acting. I'm I'm like full time doing the voiceover and it's so, so grateful because the people are lovely and you just get to play the best characters. <laughs> In, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might not get to do that on stage or, you know, on TV. So, yes, it's it's been incredible, but it very much snuck up on me. Would you say the majority of your voice work has been in the booth or motion capture? Oh, in the booth. Mm. The motion capture, I mean, Losa in Divinity, I did one scene for that in, in motion capture. And then Mazora happened kind of after that, where I, I had done some face cap and, you know, like the odd scene, but nothing as big as, as Boulder's Gate. And so having all my lines in in mocap has just been amazing because I'm a really physical performer. Like I've done a lot of dance, you know, my stage combat and um, martial arts and yoga and everything. So for me to be like, okay, I'm now completely this this person, this this devil, um, <laughs> <laughs> was was awesome. Yeah. So your first time you just mentioned it working for Larian was Divinity. So how did that opportunity come about for you? Yeah. Ooh. Do you know what? It was a while ago. I think it was like 2017. And I'm sure what happened was that they sent out a big gold casting pack and they, they keep it quite open-ended, which is lovely to be like, hey, try whatever you think you're you're suited for. These are the accents. These, this is the age range of this character. And they'll give you a little breakdown of, of kind of an idea of what they want. And so you just do whatever you think you're right for. And so I'm guessing that that I did probably more than one or two. I would have done as many as possible. <laughs> but apparently Sarah, who was my writer, just heard my voice and was like, that is Losa. Would you say that, did you have a typical audition coming back for Baldur's Gate 3 or was that sort of previous relationship already establishing they brought you on board because they knew what you could do? It wasn't like they kind of said to me, oh, would you play Mazora? Absolutely not. It was much more like secretive. And I'm pretty sure I remembered, again, sending off multiple voices. I remember there was something that was probably Shadowheart. There was some sort of princessy vibe um, and there was like regal vibes and oh, loads of things. And then when I went in to record, I don't think that I knew the character's name. I just mm. remember being like, they were like, can you sit down and be like locked in a pod? And I was like, sure. So I was just like recording the scene and then like COVID happened. And so it all went away and I thought, oh, that's the end of that. And then came back and then it was like, right, can you just be like locked in a pod? And I was like, I know this scene. And um, then they kind of gradually told me about Mazora. Yeah, but mm. it all gradually. So how much of the... Uh you know, behind the scenes process that we don't see, how much did that change with Larian from uh, your first experience with uh, Divinity to Baldur's Gate 3? Well, very different because obviously with doing it all in mocap, it's, it is a very different process. So with Losa, I was primarily directed by Josh Whedon, who's awesome. Shout out to Josh. Um, <laughs> And then with uh, Boulder's Gate, it was multiple directors a lot more. So I was speaking to lots lots of different people through the wall, through the glass. <laughs> but also not just one director. So because of the mocap, you've got the voice director, let's say, 
story, voice, technical voice stuff, performance, so movement, sort of embodying the character. Then you've got the the motion capture person dealing with the the suit, and you've got sound mm. as well. So it's it's four people minimum in in there with you. So very very different. You're you're sort of in your brain being an octopus. You know, you're, you're really like, okay, I've got to think about don't let the gloves rustle when you're doing like finger thing, like f- finger movements. And also like, it, it, there's just so many logistics as well as the performance. Mm. Whereas with Losa, I'm sat down reading, you know, and I don't have to think about anything apart from how I'm saying her lines. So once you realize or they tell you that this is Mazora and who and what she is, what was your initial approach? How did you want to tackle it? I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy. Yeah, how did I approach it? Well, it was technical at first where it was. It all came from the voice and, and just moving away from my, my voice into this kind of more velvety, lower toned, slower, more in control, more playing with playing with the listener. And out of just those thoughts comes so much in terms of how it how it just trickles down into your body and I don't know when I saw an image of her I think it was quite late so I wasn't influenced so much by visual yeah it was much more about the dynamic between me and the player or will let's say just kind of like okay you're my pet I'm gonna really enjoy this you know and Mm -hmm. just kind of that basically and then what i've said before is that a little bit of um liz hurley came out from um bedazzled (laughs) yeah i can yeah i can definitely hear that (laughs) (laughs) that was fun so were you given much direction for her voice once you have it settled or they you know a little here a little there take it back here yeah uh, every line is quite meticulously directed it's not like changing your voice like once you find the character we found the character very quickly but it's more about intention it's more about and sometimes it's really it can be artistic you can come up with something that we all enjoy in the moment and sometimes it's really technical and it's like actually just hit that word we just need them to know it's about that thing or upward inflection or downward or whatever it is yeah so it it can it can vary but it it is very technical i would Mm. say so a few weeks ago i spoke with neil newbin and he was saying how he feels that motion capture is a perfect medium between the stage and the screen is more akin to theater would you yeah. and now that you've ha- had some experience with it would you agree with that i would in terms of because i think it pairs with the fact the script can be quite theatrical so it's an interesting one though because with boulder's gate the characters i mean especially like for me i felt like my character was was a bit larger than life let's say and and quite theatrical in herself and she can be a little bit camp and a little bit fab but also they wanted really filmic performances so I actually, it's not that I disagree with Neil, but like in ter- how I felt was her presence was very theatrical and mm. large. But then if you, you don't want to be ridiculously over the top, you know, cause it will, it might look a bit silly. So it's, it was pairing that energy with more filmic movement, which was actually quite challenging because sometimes I'd feel like I wasn't doing anything, but you know, the, t- the slightest little, little thing, you know, will, will. Um, it's will being picked up. Yeah. Out. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And then there were mo- there were big moments as well. Obviously, like her entrance and like the movement of the wings and everything is is very theatrical. So yeah, I want more of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> so do you have a you know a holy shit moment with Baldur's Gate? You know when it hits you? You know this is one of the biggest gaming releases of all time. Is it still hitting you? <laughs> 
it's still hitting me. Like people <laughs> asked me to do interviews about it. I mean, it's just so, it's so gorgeous. And probably the first moment was I was doing another voiceover with some people that I, I do stuff with regularly. And they said, oh, it'll, it'll be, um... oh no, someone just said, oh, you were in Bold Escape. And I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't know about video games. Like I know Larry and does like big things, obviously like Divinity won best game. So, you know, I, I, I get that, but the scale of it, and I think someone messaged me on Instagram. I don't think it was someone I knew. Someone just said, how does it feel to know that millions of people have played your game? I don't know. I think I'll have to sit with that question for a minute. Um, <laughs> feels pretty nice, I suppose. Pretty exciting. Yes. So, yeah, just, just the fact that, like, strangers, you know, people playing the game are messaging me. And then I've got friends who game who are saying, I've just, I've just played with Mazora. Like, this is so weird. <laughs> But it's lovely. It's 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 amazing. I feel very, very humble and very, very lucky to be a part of it. Well, you said earlier, you know, you didn't grow up playing games. But now that you are playing, you know, Baldur's Gate 3, do you have a... Of course you appreciate it, but are you, like, mind blown by, like, how huge the game is and just seeing how it works on the other side? Yeah, I am. I My mind was blown the minute that I got out of character. I mean, character creation was super fun and artistic and everything. But when, when it then opened up into the world and the scale of the cinematics and, like, the, 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 the nautiloid thing, like, you know, going through space uh, and stuff, I, I was just like what like this is this is this is mad like this is not just it's like there's all these different worlds and i'm only in like at one and I, I haven't even picked up carlac yet like and i don't i'm like totally lost trying to see <laughs> <laughs> looking at the map like where am i and it's it's awesome it's huge and it is mind-blowing it's like bigger than a film yeah that's this is the thing I'm learning about D&D and it's like you literally create universes like it can be as big as you want it to be and it's yeah it's amazing it's it's incredible yeah are you wanting to dip your toe into D&D now leave it a try have you tried it I I don't know exactly what parts are not D&D of Bold Escape but I can say like I really enjoy like the dice rolling and like learning skills and like casting spells <laughs> I like all the magic stuff. Like yeah. I like purple <laughs> magic vibes and I like the sigil, even though I don't really still don't really know what a sigil is, but I like it. I like the portals. Portals are really good, you know, like going to and from different places and yeah, just being able to do magic. I, I chose to be a druid so I could talk to animals as well. Like I love that. So yeah, I think D&D would be super fun when I have the time. <laughs> one day, right? one of these days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So uh, what would you say is the best acting advice you've received and who gave it to you? Goodness. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what? It's probably, even though it wasn't great at the time because it set my anxiety through the roof, you need it. Like when I was at drama school and we, our drama school, shout out to Art Zed, lovely Art Zed. Um, they're very nurturing. They're not one of the mean sort of like break you down and build you back up people. They're much more like, oh, you were really good at that. Like, keep going with that. But in third year, they kind of changed their tune as we were getting ready to leave. And there was a lot of like, you may never work. <laughs> you may never do anything. And you're like, oh, I've been three years being obsessed with this. And it, yes, so as tough as that sounds, I have actually had people ask me about voice stuff in recent years and, and just advice and stuff. And so same with the acting. It's all acting really anyway. Um, just to say, are you obsessed with it? Are you obsessed with this? Is it, are you, can you not think about doing anything else? Is this what you need to do with your life? If so, great, do it. The work will come. Like if you, if you need this, then, then great. If it's, uh, hmm, yeah, 
don't do it. Don't do it. There's so many other things you can do that will be really fun and great and mean something. But if you are obsessed, you need you need to be obsessed, then 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 go for it and follow your heart. From school to now, you know, whatever you consider a the most challenging project you've worked on is the mm. one that you lost sleep over. <laughs> oh dear, do I do the diplomatic answer? <laughs> <laughs> I won't say what it was. Okay. I'll just say that I was in a play beautiful play classic play very happy to be in it that was produced by a person that's not a performer and was a classic case of it being produced by them so that they could be in it and play the lead role and ah. all i will say is that that was very challenging especially because the lead role is a young female ingenue type role and i was in my earlyish mid 20s and was a bit like I had a lovely role. I played the moon. I played the actual moon. That's a that's a great role. <laughs> I think too, actually, about what job it was. But anyway, it was a great role and it was very beautiful. But yes, that that was a lot of the cast bonded over that that um, dynamic. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, it's crazy. It happens a lot. Um, so that was challenging. <laughs> yeah, it brought you all together. <laughs> this is something i like to ask everyone as well have you ever had an experience you would consider supernatural or paranormal Ooh, have i ever do you know what i haven't but mum has she's seen a ghost she saw a woman and it wasn't scary although it might sound terrifying for some people but i wouldn't say it if it was horrific she was in bed and there was this kind of like nice older lady sat on the bed and she just kind of asked mum if she was okay. And mum was like, yeah, I'm okay. And then that was it. She kind of went away. That's pleasant. Right. I mean, <laughs> I would be petrified. The fact that mum was not like horrified is, um, yeah, we're very different. But yeah, she was a nice old lady. So there you go. <laughs> so uh, Tamron, just to put a bow on here, what's on the horizon for you? Is there anything you can share without getting in trouble? I can't. I'm <laughs> a approved human being right now. I... I'm very fortunate to have um, landed a little role, little but cool role in a big game, big franchise, and it's really cool. And also it's working with a studio that I've wanted to work with my whole voice career for like 10 years plus. So I thought I'd finished it, but I've got another session and I'm doing that on Wednesday. So that's a nice way to end the year. Yeah. Uh, doing a little bit more on something that's coming out I believe next year and it's all something and it's and it's this and it's that and I can't give you any details but it's a game and it's a big deal so when I can tell you you will know <laughs> awesome thank you Tamron and thank you mom and you guys have a great uh, rest yeah. of your day <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> alright bye bye <laughs> alright folks that's a wrap I hope you enjoyed that chat with Tamron as always thanks for listening and we'll see you back next time monsters madness and magic <laughs>